Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Last week, I was visiting my dad and he had a um, DVR recording of a show called America's Got Talent. Have y'all heard of that show before? A few of you maybe have heard of that show, America's Got Talent, yeah? And uh, there's um, a young lady that performed on the show, and there was something about her performance that just, I mean, I'm like sobbing in the chair, and that's never cool when you're visiting your dad to be crying in the chair, but you know, that was me, and uh, just beautiful, and it kind of, I think it helps us as we look at the scripture that we're going to be looking at today, and so I want to show you a video, actually, to start off with, and so, um, yeah, watch this with me now. Hello everyone, due to copyright, I will not be reproducing the audio here. However, I am posting in the show notes a link to the YouTube video of Nightbird's performance on America's Got Talent. Also, if you simply go to YouTube and search for Nightbird with an E at the end on America's Got Talent, you should find the clip very easily. Uh, it is worth a watch and extremely powerful. And I'd encourage you to do that. Thanks so much for listening today. Let's continue on to the rest of our message. Yeah, it's powerful, isn't it? Um, you know, she sings a song that says, um, sometimes we're a little lost. Now, I don't think she's using that word like we would use lost versus saved. She's talking about not knowing who you are or where you are in life or what to do next. And I was just curious, what is it about that's so powerful? We're in a series called uh, Full. We're walking through the book of Colossians. And I'm just thinking that when it comes to your vision of the full life, you probably don't envision suffering. And what's so powerful about that moment and about that song in this person named Nightbird is that there was a massive amount of suffering that she endured to bring that song to the world. Simon, even Simon Cowell chokes up, right? The heartless Simon Cowell, right? He chokes up because of this person's suffering. She's had breast cancer three times. She's 30 years old. Her husband left her in the middle of all of that. And it's been quite a journey for her. The, the, the second thing is the word that uh, Howie used, authenticity, and it's the perspective of the sufferer, right? When, when she says, I'm okay. Like, I'm not, I'm not okay, but I'm okay. It's the perspective of the sufferer. Today, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, if you have a copy of Scripture, uh, I normally read out of the CSB, which is uh, Chris's um, standard Bible, okay? Um, but I'm going to instead be reading out of the, the, the NIV, which is the non-inspired version. Some of you like the ESV, which is the extra spiritual version. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, the, the reason why I'm reading out of the NIV is because it just... It, 
connects so beautifully with this theme of fullness. And so I'm going to have it on the screens for you in that translation. If you could just read along with me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28, he's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this is a beautiful passage, and it's filled with fill or full or fullness. The, the word, the theme that we are, we're kind of looking at together in this uh, book of the Bible, and you see it all over the page here as we read this together of he's filling up in his flesh what is lacking. Uh, he wants to present the word of God in its fullness. He talks about the, the mystery and the riches right, the, of that mystery of Christ in you. He wants everyone to be fully mature. He wants us to have the full riches of complete, it's just like everywhere, this abundant language of fullness. And what I want us to really land on today is how in the heck can he say, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. If you were here last week, we talked about the fullness of Jesus as the, as the source of all and the sustainer of all and the savior for all people. And we talked about this big, massive vision of Jesus that we see in this book. And here he's saying, wait, wait, no, no, there's something lacking. How can that be? And that's where we're gonna land uh, together today. But we're going to work backwards, and I have kind of a ridiculous title for the sermon. In fact, you can just tell me, Chris, that's ridiculous. The, the title is this, The Filling Up That Fills the World with Fullness. That's ridiculous. I mean, come on. You can laugh at me. That's cool. The Filling Up That Fills the World with Fullness, and we're going to start with the fullness. We're going to work our way back to the filling up. Let's talk about the fullness, because there's, there's a, a verse in here that's famous. It's a verse you probably already know if you've been a Christian for a while, and it's this. It's in verse um, 26. The mystery 
that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Here it is. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is the the crowning mystery and wonder of the Apostle Paul. This is the thing that he's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't hardly believe this, that not just for the Jewish people, the descendants of Jacob and his 12 sons that had the promises of God and that he was going to restore them and redeem them and bring them to himself. It's, it's not just for those people, but it's, it's for everyone, the Gentiles, which is everyone that's not a Jew, which is probably most of you in the room. And it was that Christ was going to be in you. The promise of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This means that God himself will be directly and personally present in the lives of believers in Christ. I'll say that again. God himself, capital G, God, creator of all things, will be directly and personally present in the lives of believers in Christ. Wow. As our former president would say, this is huge. This is huge, guys. Jesus himself, the one that we talked about, the fullness of Christ, would live in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because Christ in you equals fullness. If you, if you want to live the full life, this is it. Jesus in you. Christ in you. The fullest life is the Christ-filled life. And this is something we've been kind of coming back to over and over. And if you don't get anything else from the series, I want you to get this, that fullness is Jesus in you. The hope of Glory. We could say the opposite is true. The emptiest life is empty of Jesus. The emptiest life is empty of Jesus. The first point that I want us to understand from this, uh, this scripture today is that the Christ-filled life is a hope-filled life. It's the hope-filled life. That word hope, let's talk about what it means You probably kind of know what it means, but it means a joyful expectation of good. If you're hopeful, you're joyfully expecting that something good is going to happen, right? You hope that your team will win the championship this year. You're hopeful that that's going to happen. You're you're hopeful that your child is going to graduate from high school, right? That, That would be good. We have hopes that we hope in. And he's saying, look, the Christ-filled life is full of hope. It's the hope not just of good, though. It's more than that. It's the hope of glory. The hope of glory, which is better than good. (laughs) To have the hope of glory. It's that moment where, where Simon hits the golden buzzer and like the confetti drops and it's like this moment of glory. 
like the suffering, the struggle that this, this girl has gone through, and then boom, it's this moment. And there's a moment for each one of us, if you're in Christ, that you will step into glory. Part of what made that so emotional for me is that my mom went through cancer, and I lost my mom about three months ago. But I didn't lose her because my mom just stepped from this life into glory. Did you know that, believer in Christ, that you have something to look to beyond just the the regular stuff that the rest of the world looks to for their hope? You have a hope of glory, the golden buzzer, the presence of God, the heavenly wonder, the hope of glory. Glory. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, in assurance about what we do not see. Romans 8.18 8, says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The hope of glory, Jesus in you. So if you are a believer in Christ, I have good news for you. Jesus is in you, and you have hope. And it's not just the hope of a, of a better life or, or uh, more money or something like that. It's hope for glory. And I just want to ask a question. Do you have a full hope like that? Because let's be honest. It is so easy to hope for anything but glory, right? It's like, please, God, just let me live. I don't want to go to glory. Like, just do anything, right? It's like we we want anything but glory. And believers, I just want us to maybe just lift our eyes up again and say, ah, yes, I can see the heavenly horizon that Jesus in me is hope, not just for the stuff of today. Yes, there's hope for that stuff too, but it's bigger, it's glory, and it's for you. So we have a hope for glory. I was thinking about the words that he uses here in the verse 28 in following. He says that he, Jesus, the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature. In verse 2 of chapter 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in their heart. That's a good thing, Right? Encouraged in heart, united in love, that's a beautiful thing. So that they might have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, which is, by the way, Christ. I was thinking about when you call the, uh, the cable company because your bill goes up again. I, I don't know if y'all do that. I do that all the time. Like, hi, uh, this is not what we agreed to, right? You call them, and before you know it, you wind up with like not just internet, but you got internet, you got cable TV, you've got uh, a phone line now. It's like, I don't even have a phone, but I got a phone line, and, uh, and I've got home security, right? They somehow talk you into the whole bundle, and what he's saying is, look, there's, there's, this, um, there's this fullness that, you, that gets more full. He uses the word mature, fully mature. It's, it's a bundled 
package, and there's, there's a lot to the package, and it's that it's bundled with courage. Your hope in Jesus, your hope for glory, comes bundled with courage, encouraged in their heart. And that word in Greek is parakaleo, which is to, to come alongside you. Think about that. Christ in you who comes alongside you and you can have courage as you face whatever is going on in your life. He, it comes bundled with love, that they would be united in love. And you know that word love is agape love. It's the God kind of love, the sacrificial love of God. It comes bundled with confidence. He prays that they would have full assurance. And then it's like there's, there's this clause of uh, and that they may know Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge was like, and a bunch of stuff else, like a bunch of more things that I don't have time to explain to you. It's, it's a bundled deal, a full hope. But let's talk about the filling the word. So that's the fullness, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's filling the world. Let's, let's talk about what that means. Um, he talks about this mystery that includes everyone. It's to, it's to everyone. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And, and if you know the life of Paul, you know this was, his, this was like his single-minded pursuit is he wanted to see the gospel proclaimed everywhere. In fact, in Romans 15, verses 19 and 23, he says that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, did I say that right? I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Wow. He, he wanted to fill the world with knowledge of Jesus. He's a spirit-filled, Jesus-proclaiming, gospel-sharing, single-focused madman. And he wants everyone to know about the hope of glory. See, the second thing that I think we understand is that this hope-filled life in Christ is the gift the world needs. It's the gift that the world needs to have a hope that's bigger than all the other stuff that we could hope in. It's a hope that's big enough to fill you and to fill the entire world. This is kind of corny, but it's Father's Day, so you have to have a dad joke in there every now and then, right? So I was thinking about, you know, the testimony of being a dope dealer. You know, I used to be a dope dealer. Everybody used to want to have that testimony. They're like, yeah, you know, I used to be a gangbanger and a dope dealer, and then Jesus saved my life, and now I'm, you know, and we all, all the people that grew up at the Baptist church were like, man, that's so cool. Like, I love hearing that story. So here's the thing. You're not a dope dealer. You're a hope dealer, okay? Thank you for laughing at that. That was terrible. But this hope of glory, this news of Jesus, simply must be told to the ends of the earth. The world needs the full salvation that can only come through Jesus because guess what? They're walking through some stuff too. 
I'm, I'm imagining when you, if you're like me and you're watching this girl named Nightbird sing her song and tell her story, it's, it's not just her story that breaks your heart. It's like, that's heartbreaking. But there's something about you that resonates because you know kind of what she's dealing with because you've been through some stuff too. There's, there's something like when the, uh, the host at the end says, you're the voice that we need to hear this year. It's a voice of suffering that makes all of us say, yeah, me too. Me too. And so when we talk about the, the gift the world needs, it's, it's not just that we have a role of people that's like, they receive Christ, they receive it. That's great. Like we, we, we want lots of people to know Jesus. But it's more than that. They're walking through things that they need hope for. And so we become hope dealers. Because suffering touches every single person on the planet. Lastly, let's consider what does it mean to fill up? Like, what's the filling up that fills the world with fullness? He says that there's something lacking in Christ. We're like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I thought Jesus was sufficient for all things. I mean, can anything be lacking in Christ? Was his sinless life not sufficient? Was his cross not sufficient? Was his sacrifice not enough? His resurrection, his authority, his headship over all things. Are these not enough? And that's not what he's talking about. So set your heart at ease. Christ is sufficient in all these things. What he's talking about is uh, suffering. In Philippians 2.30 He uses the very same words in a different context, and it helps us understand this moment. In Philippians 2.30, he's receiving a gift from the church, and there's this guy by the name of Epaphroditus who risks his life to bring it. He says, he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not Give me the context is that a messenger risked suffering to bring the gift to the recipient. That's the context. And so when he says, I fill up what is lacking, it's that same wording when he's saying, look, there's, there's this person who literally filled up what was lacking in your gift to me. You wanted to give this gift in. I love that you wanted to give the gift. It's just, it wouldn't get to me unless this person was willing to suffer. Epaphroditus. I found this quote from John Piper, and um, I believe I have a slide for that as well, so you can read it with me. It's a little bit long. He says, what is lacking is that the infinite value of Christ's afflictions are not known in the world. They are still a mystery hidden to most peoples. And God's intention is that the mystery be revealed. So the afflictions are lacking in the sense that they are not seen and known among the nations. They must be carried by ministers of the word. And those ministers of the word fill up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ by extending them to others. 
the suffering love of Christ for sinners is seen in the suffering love of his people for sinners. When it comes to your vision of the full life, is suffering included in that vision? You see, the third thing that I think we need to understand is the hope-filled Christian will endure anything to bring Christ's hope to the world. The hope-filled Christian will endure anything to bring Christ's hope to the world. You see, there's two kinds of suffering in life. There's, there's the, the kind that chooses you. It's like Nightbird, who's gone through cancer three times and whose husband says, I don't love you anymore and I'm leaving. Right? It's, it's a suffering that shows her and she had no control over the suffering. It's the cards that you're dealt in life. It's the hardship that you have no control over. It's just the stuff that happens to you. And we all have stuff that happens to us or has happened to us. It's the illness. It's the cancer. It's the abandonment. And it's what touches our hearts when we see a person like that who endures suffering. And we say, yeah, yeah. It's the kind that chooses you. The second kind is a little bit different because this is the suffering that you choose. It's a different kind of suffering. It's the kind that Jesus willingly chose when he endured the cross for you and for me, right? For the joy set before him. I rejoice in my sufferings. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's Epaphroditus risking his life to get the gift to the recipient. It's Paul sitting in prison, writing letters about fullness. And I rejoice in my sufferings for you, for the church, because he just wants to get the gospel to everybody he can. It's the person risking their reputation with their coworkers or their neighbors to offer them prayer or to share their faith with them. It's choosing not to throw your coworkers under the bus, even though you're quite sure they would throw you under the bus if they had the same opportunity. Because you know that your calling is not about just keeping your job, it's about being the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you are. It's the young man who risks his friendships because he's not willing to do the things that his friends are doing anymore. It's the one who's married to the unbeliever who decides not to divorce them even though their values and their faith are worlds apart. It's the woman who steps out of God's plan for her sexuality and gets pregnant, but then says, I'm not gonna abort this child because I know it's not what God wants me to do. And it's, it might be really hard for me to raise this child alone. But I know it's what he wants me to do. It's the young family that commits to give financially to their church or to missionaries. And they give sacrificially for God's kingdom, even though they could use that money in a million other ways. 
but they choose a suffering. And somehow, miraculously written over all these things in big, bold, sharpie is joyful. I don't know how. I don't know why. But there's something about a savior on a cross that changes us in a way that says, my definitions are changing in life. And I, I'm willing to choose some things because I rejoice. I rejoice in what I'm filling up and what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. <laughs> and Paul is able to say, get this, through Jesus in him, which is the hope of glory, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. J. Oswald Sanders, director of OMF in the 60s and 70s, tells the story of an indigenous missionary uh, from India. And this, uh, this man walked barefoot, barefoot from village to village, preaching the gospel, and his hardships were many. After a, a long day of many miles and much discouragement, he came to a certain village and tried to speak the gospel, but was driven out of town and rejected. After, um, after this rejection, he goes to the edge of the village and he lays down under a tree and he just falls asleep from exhaustion. When he awakes, People are hovering over him, and the whole town was gathered around to hear him speak. The headman of the village explained that they came to look him over while he was sleeping, and when they saw his blistered feet, they concluded he must be a holy man, and that they had been evil to reject him. They were sorry and wanted to hear the message he was willing to suffer so much to bring them. So the evangelist fills up the afflictions of Jesus with his beautiful blistered feet. There's another story of a Maasai warrior whose name was Joseph, and he attended an itinerant evangelist conference in Amsterdam. Uh, his story won him a hearing with Dr. Billy Graham. And it says, one day Joseph, who was walking along one of these hot, dirty African roads, met someone who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Then and there he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. The power of the Spirit began transforming his life. He was filled with such excitement and joy that the first thing he wanted to do was to return to his own village and share that same good news with the members of his local tribe. Joseph began going from door to door, telling everyone he met about the cross of Jesus and the salvation it offered, expecting to see their faces light up the way that his had. To his amazement, the villagers not only didn't care, they became violent. The men of the village seized him and held him to the ground while the women beat him with strands of barbed wire. He was dragged from the village and left to die alone in the bush. Joseph somehow managed to crawl to a water hole, and there, after days of passing in and out of consciousness, he found the strength to get up. 
And he wondered about this hostile reception he'd received from the people he had known all, all of his life. He decided, this is interesting, he must have left something out of the story of Jesus. He must have said it incorrectly. And so after rehearsing the message he had first heard, he decided to go back and share his faith once more. Joseph limped into the circle of huts and began to proclaim Jesus. He died for you so that you might find forgiveness and come to know the living God, he pleaded. Again, he's grabbed by the men of the village and held while the women beat him, reopening wounds that had just begun to heal. And once more, they dragged him unconscious from the village and left him to die. To have survived the first beating was truly remarkable. To live through the second was a miracle. And again, days later, Joseph awoke in the wilderness, bruised, scarred, and determined to go back. He returned to the small village, and this time they attacked him before he could even open his mouth. And as they flogged him for the third and probably the last time, he again spoke to them of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Before he passed out, the last thing he saw was that the women who were beating him began to weep. This time, he awoke in his own bed. The ones who had severely beaten him were now trying to save his life and nurse him back to health. The entire village had come to Christ. It's powerful stories of people full of hope who said, we've got to get this hope to the world. The only thing that's lacking are the afflictions that we're willing to joyfully embrace to bring the hope of Jesus to those who do not know him. And I just want to end with a question. What sufferings are you willing to choose to make sure the gift gets to the recipients? I know, in American Christianity, there's a lot of talk about prospering you and, you know, you could, you could have it all. I mean, you could, you could own the world if you just sowed a seed of faith and gave to our ministry right now, you know, then you, God's going to bless you, for, you know, and he wants, you know, and I believe that God wants to prosper us. I just believe that we're already prospering in Jesus. Like we have everything we could ever want or need and godliness with contentment is still great gain. Like that's what the scripture says. And so there's this sort of like weirdness going on in the American church about this idea of suffering. It's like, if you love Jesus, you're not gonna suffer because that's not his heart for you. But Jesus suffered for you. And he calls us to the same cross so I just want to ask, like, what sufferings are you willing to choose to make sure this gift gets to its recipients? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And here's my only encouragement, my only call to you today, is whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you right now, don't delay. Because what'll happen is you'll get to your car at the end of the service and be like, man, that was a really nice time. And 
I enjoyed catching up with so-and-so. And then you're like totally going to forget whatever it was that the Spirit prompted you with. So I just want to encourage you, whatever it is, like write it down. Maybe tell somebody that you know, someone who's in a house church with you. Just tell them like, man, I, just, I really felt impressed about this. Because you don't want that stuff to evaporate away. Because at the end of all this, when you step from this life into the next, there's going to be this golden buzzer moment. There's glory coming. And what I want to hear and what I think you want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, I'm going to put you in charge of much. So don't delay. And the only guarantee that I can give you in life, the only guarantee, is that when the glory of God is revealed in you, you'll be able to say about every suffering for the kingdom of God, worth it all and a million times more. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.